Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay. Should we try this? All right, yeah, I can't move. Okay, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Comfy. Typical disgustingness. <laughs> Tonight, we got him. Goldie and the salt. This is a typical, typical disgustingness. 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 And it starts right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Craig Kilborn, for that intro. And welcome back to another episode of a typical disgusting display, a podcast for writers, by writers who hate writing. And uh, Goldie, Goldie's playing hurt today. His mic was not working properly. So now you tell the folks how you fixed it. Well, sometimes with electronics, you get to the point where if you hold it together, it works. And if it moves even one micrometer left or right, it shuts off. So I'm that way with my microphone right now. So if I can hold exactly still for an hour and a half, we can do this podcast. Oh, a very comfortable way for you to work, yeah. I'm sure. Just knowing I can't move, uh, it's, it's super helpful. Yeah, it's good for your posture, at least. So last week's episode was fun. Alex Borstein was great. Thank you, Alex, yes. again for being on the show. We've we've shipped her uh, Brenda Vaccaro impersonation off to the Smithsonian. It was that funny. Yes, and, and Goldie left it all out on the field, singing the Taurus Ford yes. Taurus commercial yes. theme excellently. Which I'm still well, singing. My voice may never recover. Basically. I know, but that was I'm going to sound like Brenda Vaccaro. I know. That's probably first joke of the day. First joke of the day. There you go. <laughs> This week she remembered. Um, (laughs) Last week we were halfway through our monologue of Johnny jokes when she hit first joke of the day, which was very insulting. She did it basically on the last joke of the day. Uh, (laughs) Oh God! Um, Yeah. So a a couple things this week. First off, a little a little fun thing. I've tilted my video screen so you two cannot see what's on my sweatshirt. Oh. Um, But to to recap. The suspense uh, oh, isn't killing me. I know. <laughs> it's more your position. It's more your position that's killing you. Um, 
Yes. So we've, we've, it's well documented on this show. If you've listened before our, our very close relationship with Tom Brady, (laughs) of course he contacted us first before he made the announcement to come back to the NFL and we gave him the thumbs up. So here we are. Yeah. But I mean, 40 days with your family yeah. <laughs> it's enough to cover 20 day. years away from them. I know. And then it. you're ready for another 20 years away from them. So, yes. Yeah, so, Tom will yeah. be playing to the age of 63. We've yeah. decided. Uh, setting records for durability on the field, incredibly <laughs> fragile off the field. Apparently. Resistance bands do not help you hang out with your family. <laughs> He went 40 days and 40, it was like Noah's flood of, uh, yeah. of his family. Anyway, so you know. I'll, get, I'll have any amount of concussions, but I can only take out the trash four times before yeah. I have to leave the home field. No, I think uh, his child must have been explaining some iPad game because that's when my eyes roll back. Like when the details are given to me about roblox or whatever game they're playing on i the think iPad. he saw his the first unflushed toilet he'd seen in years <laughs> and just was like fuck this <laughs> no i bet he's gotten some awesome o-lineman shits left for him okay so if, if my sound changed at all for the listeners at home now i i i moved one micrometer to the left <laughs> my microphone broke it actually see it actually microphone will do it actually Thank you see- to the blue microphone company, <laughs> makers of microphones that work as long as no one in your house moves. And the house itself can't shift as well. So if your house is on some sort of peat or you know if, if there's water in the soil, then you can't have a blue microphone. If your house is built on granite, I really recommend this blue microphone. And uh, and you never move. Right. <laughs> one of the best. I- I will just say, uh, counterpoint, I'm working with a blue microphone right now. It served me well. So if the good folks at Blue want to send any free microphones our way, that would be to me, not Goldie. Um, but the Goldie, you're... folks at Blue Microphone, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Ca- counterpoint. You, suck, you all suck at your jobs. Whoever puts in the USB ports, they suck. Those don't work. I would say the, the volume... Dial was never quite dialed in. Gain appeared to do nothing, and then there's confusing circles drawn on the back. This whole microphone is a complete <laughs> mistake. All right, counter counterpoint. Mine's working just fine. Sure. Blue microphones for all your microphone for half of your microphone needs. Blue microphones, they might work. <laughs> How was your microphone? It blew. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bravo. Um, yeah. So, Goldie, um, if you're if you've been listening to this show, you know our relationship with Tom Brady. But in a in a in a nutshell, it's this: Goldie and I were lucky enough to submit jokes to Tom Brady for his most recent White House uh, reception when the the Buccaneers went there to get congratulated by President Biden. Tom Brady picked one of the jokes that Goldie wrote. And it dominated, it was the news cycle, as Goldie likes to say. It dominated the news cycle for 48 hours. It was the news cycle. And then as a result of that, Tom Brady followed me on Instagram, not Goldie, (laughs) Mm -hmm. me. And then I made a post, famous post, that Tom Brady commented on it. And what did he say? You are amazing. So what am I wearing today? 
Oh. oh. Whoa. <laughs> wow. One you of my friends, those. and I have to shout him out, Scott Holroyd. And Goldie, you've met him. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah. Very wow. funny, nice guy. He's also the uh, commish of my fantasy football league. Yeah. Um, so That's... he sent me a sweatshirt, and I'm showing the, the guys right now. It says, you are amazing, dash, Tom Brady. <laughs> So I'm very excited wow. that this feels like, you know, yet another crescendo. In Was my there like a 20 character limit or something that he couldn't get quotes around it? amazing <laughs> 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 with an attribution, but there's no uh, you quotes. Know, so it's not quite clear like yeah. what's happening. You're, you're not the first person to say this. Sadly, Scott, put quotes on it next time. But it's a very comfortable, awesome sweatshirt. So I like the idea. You. It's an incredibly Scott. comfortable, confusing gift. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Goldie, Scott. Go get him. Go get him. Yeah, uh, maybe the folks at the sweatshirt company, uh, if they're not enjoying themselves there, they could go work for Blue Microphone. That is <laughs> <laughs> the detail. <laughs> That uh, that I think will really help them advance at Blue. <laughs> blue microphone. Half of your hey, microphone. Guys, when you're making this microphone, just make sure everything's kind of in there, kind of tight. <laughs> this is a lingering complaint, I would describe it. All right, now I'm going to hit you with the second brief thing, and it's another, yeah. su- it's another surprise. And it's yeah. a surprise for, for, uh, for both of you guys. So... About a month ago, maybe a little more, we had a controversial episode on here where we broke down Tootsie. We watched Tootsie and we talked yeah. about it. Yeah. And there was a lot of chatter behind the scenes. Was it a good idea? I wanted to do it for two episodes. Goldie shot that down. Rightfully so. Yeah. I think it would Thank have God. been it, yeah. it would have been annoying over <laughs> two episodes. I didn't see that. Goldie did, so to <laughs> his credit. But the one of the takeaways for me of that episode was your both of your actual like reactions to the movie, which were both kind of like, yeah, it was okay, it was pretty good. Can was I a- hazard to guess what's about yeah. to happen is that Terry Gar told you you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the second sweatshirt. <laughs> no, but that's a great guess, Terry. Uh, I would I would have that sweatshirt made with quotes this time. Uh, but yes, so here is what's going to happen, and this is. Boy, I'm just doling out the hashtag content for this podcast right here. Good or bad, this is content. Circle your calendars, both of you. Circle your calendars. April 29th. It's a Friday. Don't instantly say don't say April. April has 30 days. Okay, so you're not making it up. Yeah, that's only February would not have a 29. That's a really weird mistake for you to make. So circle circle every month has a 29 except February. Okay, so circle circle April 29th in your calendars. Why? Because we, the three of us, are going to Tootsie the Musical. In no, LA. No. Friday, April 29th. <laughs> okay, okay. The three of us are going to Tootsie okay. the Musical. Then we are going to talk about how we felt about it. Okay, well, that'd what? be nice. <laughs> First of all, they're, do- they're yes. doing musical based on Tootsie. Yes, they are. Okay, okay. Did you buy these tickets or were they given? I no, I bought these tickets. <gasps> oh, I bought that's them. that's so nice. And I'm coming out there to go with oh, you. Oh, okay. I thought I'm you were coming half joking. Out there. Wow. Is this for real? This is really happening. We this, can talk. Has this we can, musical been on Broadway or anything, or is this like? A I don't movie? know. I have not researched it. Although I feel like I had heard of it before, so it's possible that it was on Broadway. And I feel now like I've heard of it. Wait. we get the worse LA version because musicals <laughs> right. are always like Maybe. not as good in LA. But 
It's going to be something that we are going to see. We have great seats. Uh, we that's are going so to, nice. Thanks. We are going to see if we enjoy it, if we hate it, if it's somewhere in between, <laughs> and we are going to talk about it. I can't believe there's a musical based on Tootsie. <laughs> yeah. There, there is. And hey, by the way, with the movie, you're halfway home. You got Roll, Tootsie Roll, and something's telling me it might be you. Oh, you yeah. got your, your upbeat song. You Who got your love number. It's not- uh, Stephen Bishop. Well, Stephen really? Bishop did this, sang the songs, and possibly Dave Grusin wrote the the uh, the actual songs. I'm not sure. I know wow. he wrote the score. Wow. Anyway, I'm we are, just my mind is spinning with ways to try to get out of this, but I'll <laughs> I'll come up with something. <laughs> well, I no. will say it'll be the first time that I meet Goldie in person. That's right. I thought of that too. <laughs> Which that's going to be crazy. awesome. Yeah. At Tootsie the Musical, that's where we met. <laughs> <laughs> and what, but, what by the way, three right, adults ever out together, by the way? What an odd number of adults. It's all, all going to be odd. It'll all be very <laughs> odd. And I love it. We're going to embrace the oddness of this. And by the way, write us it in a looks, typical... Ever, what, is people going to think we're a thruple? Like, it's just going to look so strange. It's just going to be people hanging out. That's all. Oh, God. <laughs> a trio. A thruple. <laughs> Anytime that word is used, it's funny. It makes me want to throw up. <laughs> I just thrupled a little bit in my mouth. Um, throw up. Anyway, circle it. April 29th. It's a Friday. We're going. Okay. All right. We're going. All right. What are you guys to wear? <laughs> All right, we can talk what about that. We wear? can discuss. <laughs> what we'll, let's see. We'll we get we'll get dinner before. <laughs> oh, this is great. I'm excited. How, how can we dress most thruppily? I'll wear red jeans. <laughs> an eyes on shirt with a chain. We'll wear, there's one guy in Colorado. leather pants. <laughs> yeah, guy. that's yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, he runs. He runs the thruple. Maybe <laughs> JC could have a hat with a feather in it. Right yeah, there, <laughs> and we a, go. And a boa, maybe. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's quite a thruple there. And I, and, Look at and, that strange thruple. I'm being. I'm, I'll just be before the musical starts. I'm going to stand up and just say. Excuse me, everyone. Is anyone else in a group of three? <laughs> or are we the only ones to have the weirdest number of people to go out with? <laughs> oh, God. All right. So anyway, that was my surprise That's for you. Really I've nice. surprised you on air. I wanted a genuine reaction. And no, we let, let's, again, Goldie, you and I have back-channeled about thanking me. We, we, you don't yeah. have to thank me. Goldie, Gold, Goldie... Goldie wrote oh he, you wanted me to read somebody's script and i said i would and you wrote texted me thank you with an exclamation point and i just wrote back never say thank you to me again and you said good because i hate it <laughs> <laughs> i was grateful to you but on the other hand yeah like yeah. you can't read a guy's script for me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. And also just the exclamation point is so very not I don't you. know. I don't like I, I don't like communicating in the modern way, obviously. Like yeah. I, mean, I would rather have just it been a phone call as nineties as that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Phone call's fine. You can always hey pick up a there phone. There needs to be call something me. in between a period and an exclamation point. Yes. Maybe it's like a like a period with a a, da- a dash going up, like where where you go. Look, I'm saying this, I'm not shouting it, yes. but it's not yeah. just, I'm not just mumbling it. Right. I mean it. Right. Well, you but hate, I'm not being like a see, teenager about it. Right. You hate emojis. That's why I use emojis is so that I don't have to use it. Sometimes I go over the top and I do. But now with but, emojis, 
there's a whole skin tone thing where you go, I don't want to be the honky using just white emojis. Like I want to support diversity or whatever. But then when you use diverse emojis, people think like, is he making some kind of joke about it? Cause that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you kind of are going in between and you're going, yeah. is anyone even picking up on this that I'm not doing the whitest one? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm too shy. And it's away. like, what are you afraid to use a darker one? And so now it, like you can't even use those without an enormous amount being oh, read into I, the I skin tone you've chosen. Yeah, I just want to do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. Well, you here, do. Goldie, here's a tip: like, you just say, select the skin tone at random, and I'll go with it. Yes, purple. <laughs> you say you say you want something in between an exclamation uh, mark and a and a period. Is it yeah. an exclamation point or exclamation mark? I think it's either. Both. Yeah. Okay, you want something in between? Maybe it's a little period on fire. How do you? I don't even know how to. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't know. If you if you could see what Gold. Goldie did, what Goldie did when I said that was he took his glasses off and rubbed his eyes <laughs> like, <laughs> like a man in great pain. It's, just, I, it's like my, I, you know, I'm 49 and my body is getting to the point. It's like a car that's about to go out of warranty. it's like my my heels are cracking my gums are receding my mind is going slightly and this is just one of those things where it's like i i don't want to figure out what a period with a flame in it (laughs) (laughs) we should come up with something uh, speaking of uh at the end of your warranty, this section of the program is brought to you by uh, Blue Microphones. <laughs> We're good for a week. <laughs> Most of them are just fine. Blue Microphones. Whether it works or not is all part of the journey. <laughs> anyway, the, to wrap up that point, no thanks necessary. From this point on, thank you okay. for the thank yous for the tickets. No thanks good. necessary. From here on out, it's uh, all criticisms. Is... It's all gripes. Okay. It's all problems. It's all whatever you okay. see. Being I just annoying. want to say it's, it's for not me. mutual. I will need to be thanked each time. <laughs> no, we understand that. We understand. Okay. And so we're going to have fun there. And I have to throw out a special thank you to my assistant, Allie Raisin, who okay. listens to this show every week. So thank you for that loves it and was driving around LA saw the sign for Tootsie the musical got out of her car took a picture and said wow. you have to buy tickets for this so <gasps> thank you Allie thank you Allie for that suggestion great suggestion thank you Goldie you you uh, went on a little trip with uh, the fam this week I had an adventure I just want to talk about it briefly um so I went I brought my kids to Lego Land which was it was nice after sort of two years of not being able to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I, and maybe you do too, JC. Like, I feel like because of the pandemic, basically I've had the amount of time I was supposed to spend in 50 years of marriage stuffed into two years. Yes. Yeah. And the amount of time I was supposed to spend with my kids over 18 years, I've done in two years. So yeah. I'm as sort of short and hostile and temperamental with them as I would be had they been in the house and I, all this, it's, yes. it's like almost 20 years of frustration has been in two years. So to be right. with them, yeah, you know, in this capacity. So going into these things now, parenting, like I, I'm, my kids are relatively young. They're yeah. 10 and five. I should have more energy, but I, I feel like I, I went to a Brian Wilson concert when that smile yeah. album came out. 
And basically, Brian Wilson, who notoriously has had these mental difficulties, he's led out on stage by someone who's, like, gripping his elbow, and he kind of ambles over to the piano, and it's not quite clear if they're doing it to help him or because they're afraid he'll escape and just run off. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I feel going into every situation where it's like, I might just take off. Right. (laughs) Or I might collapse, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure which is about to happen, but I... I did want to say, like, I, I, I just sort of wanted to give a shout out to Lego Land, and I thought it, it was relevant to the podcast in terms of the power of what we do as writers, not what you and I do, but what the sort of larger job of a writer is. Because sure. Lego Land without the Lego movie is not much, right? right? Like, it clearly, like, the movies revitalized this place and gave them an entire new dimension because or else you're asking people to come to the park because it's like do you like kind of aimlessly building stuff with these plastic bricks well imagine a whole park those bricks some are bigger some are smaller and we've built like a mini manhattan with those bricks but but because they now have these movies there are these characters attached and it's like that's emmett and that's right I don't know, Wild Style or who, whoever. And, and by the way, I like the movies a lot. Like, I thought they're really well done. I thought the, the music is amazing. Yeah. But I would also say not quite enough to base a theme park around. Like, it, <laughs> right. it's a ride. Yeah. 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 And it's, the, a, it's one ride. They're trying to juice the grapefruit a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, of course. Where it's like, this is that. And it's like, the, the movie was good. Let's not... Let's not do two podcasts about Tootsie with right. this. <laughs> <laughs> How many rides are there? There's a lot of rides, but there's, you know, like Emmett's experience. There's a few that are kind of based around the movie where you go one based on the movie, guys. Right. Yeah. But the, what I liked about this park and, and a couple of things. One is the hotel is a giant Lego castle. And it and this is not their fault, but because there's so many kids, it smells like applesauce farts. <laughs> any, anywhere that smells, that there are a lot of kids. And, but it was like legitimately enjoyable as an adult. And to me, because... The other week I told a story about movies and stuff that you thought was interesting in the way I was raised. So I just want to yes. share. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, again, my dad was born in 1920, raised during the Depression, fought in World War II. Like, didn't, I didn't even really know what Disneyland was growing up. Like, I knew other people went there. I had heard about Disney right. World and Disneyland and Epcot. But I didn't know there were rides. I didn't really go to an amusement park growing up. I think I went to one Maybe I went to Canopy Lake Park once. Canopy Lake Park. And then my mom had told me that roller coasters were really dangerous, so I got scared. And then once when I was 16, my friends and I drove to New Hampshire to a water park called Water Country. And here's why we drove there. Because we heard there were a lot of sluts. <laughs> well, wait, Goldie, you got to hook us up with that that theme, wasn't it? Water country, country water country, water country. country. Have, Have some fun. fun. <laughs> so I, I hadn't really sluts. So sluts had, there. That's why we literally there was a rumor like there are a lot of sluts at water country. So, so we went, and drove up, random. thinking we would go, and then like people would fool around. And of course, yeah. 
It was, again, three people. <laughs> three guys, though. <laughs> a group of three. Have you ever, have you ever been like creeps and no one talked to us the whole time? Uh, excuse me, m'lady. Would you like to be fingered on the flume? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, that was... I, if you had asked us before why we were going, that's what we thought was going to happen. Uh, I've been in that position many times where you're like, there's gr- there are girls there. There are girls at head of the Charles. It's like, yeah. oh, they, they don't want to talk to you. they're not looking for, you know, a guy who's going to be bald later. <laughs> <laughs> and his two weird friends. How would they know? They could they sniff would, that out. They, they wouldn't have known. I saw you with a, an incredibly But So I, I didn't go to, like, amusement parks growing up. And in fact... Like once we took this trip out to California as a family and my, and this was just so my dad that, so we went to San Diego and then he says, we got to drive uh, to Orange County. And the reason we drove there was to meet this guy, Stuart, his cousin, Stuart, who he, we, this is the first we'd ever heard of him. <laughs> and what we learned was that cousin Stuart and his sister, because London was being bombed so heavily during World War II, okay. had come to America to live with them. And they hadn't seen each other since, wow. you know, the 40s. Wow. And that, and that we were going to meet them. So, like, all this was presented on the drive there. And then yeah. we meet this guy and his wife, and they're ancient. Right. Yeah. You know, we're just sitting in their house, and there's kind of this loose reminiscence. And it was, it was kind of interesting, but weird. And then we learned, like, my dad's mom had a sister in South Africa. And it's like, here's an audio tape of her. And he played it and my dad's like wow you know and, but, and so then Stuart says hey he says to my dad you know you're less than a mile from Disneyland why don't you take the kids and we look at my dad and my dad goes I have no fucking interest in Disneyland <laughs> Instead, your your ride was listening to your audio. great aunt's audio tape. We, we, we then went outside and were told we could each take one orange from the orange tree in the yard. Oh, it had hundreds of oranges. But so that was like how I was parented, right? right. So oh, no. then you go, you go in and going, are you, and you're going, uh, so am I supposed to replicate this? Am I supposed to... <laughs> Is good right. parenting just denying my kids this and showing them the lesson that life isn't about amusements or whatever? Right. Or am I going to overcorrect and go, no, I wasn't allowed to do this, so I'm going to indulge you? And then all you can judge is 20 years later whether they, quote, turned out right to know whether you make the right decision. But the yeah. instant I get in the park, all I'm doing, no matter what happens, is thinking I made the wrong decision. Oh, no. Right, right. We shouldn't be here. Right. right. And so, and also I'm like you, you're scared of roller coasters, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't like them. So my big triumph was that I, I hate roller coasters, but then I don't, you don't want to convey that to Levy. No. Right. So, well, no, but, but tall will be on every roller right. coaster. Right. So, so my thing was Steph would always be on the roller coaster, but I went on the Dragon, which is the smallest roller coaster. <laughs> I went on it and I was, I was petrified so much that this is a 40-second roller coaster with no, no loop-to-loops. Like, I got off the roller coaster, and I had no idea what happened. Like, wow. I didn't, I didn't know which direction we went. Like, I totally... But did you, did you like then it? then I was like, I can do this again. So my triumph was I was able to 10 times go on a roller coaster for five-year-olds. Wow. But 10 and times. That, and that... I, at the end, was like, I think I might like roller coasters and be able to ride one 
that's a little bigger. Oh, I love wow, this. good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need it. I'm always concerned about like my stomach. Just oh, like I, can see that. I don't know. I don't want I don't want that out of my control. But I at least my kids will now have this memory of my dad rode on the roller yes, coaster with ten me. Times. But to get to that point, what a fucking struggle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's that's worth celebrating. Yeah. And I guess they... that should have been my high note, but <laughs> well, what, you can come back to it. What what were their what were they like on the roller coaster? Oh, they loved it. And, you know, my 5-year-old is now sick cuz the other thing is being with a kid, it's like being with a mental patient where you're just screwing <laughs> up in ways that you wouldn't have anticipated. So like <laughs> My five-year-old, we turn and she's just licking a railing. Oh, <laughs> and then you see, like, why are you doing, like, so I have to tell you, like, don't lick railings. Like, that's something I should know to warn you about. And so now she's sick, of course. Of course. Oh, oh, God. My God. But, you, you know, they were each doing things that were, like, totally inexplicable. Right. Like, putting their mouth on stuff and their face. And it's like, I, I don't know, guys. Like, but, and again, I'm being led in by the elbow. Like, I'm so broken that I, I, I can't even... <laughs> parents anymore my wife and i are just we've decided like i've decided to act like i'm to either be a little bit high and and be on a mild edible or to just act like i'm really high when i'm not high right, and like, going, hey. hey that's great <laughs> cool. i've been acting that way for 30 plus years uh, I'm glad you had that triumph yeah, at Legoland, so, Goldie. That's, that sounded awesome. That's kind of cool, except for the railing licking, which is, oh, God. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, times. let's roll in. I didn't tell my kids I don't fucking care about Legoland. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the triumph right yeah, That's there. right. That's a, that's, you're, you're winning. You're already <laughs> <Yes>. winning. <laughs> Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, on that note, let's roll right in to Johnny Jokes. From the good folks at Blue Microphones, Blue Microphones, they work sometimes. Here's Johnny's. <laughs> Thank you. I think we could have used a blue microphone there. Um, anyway, uh, hey, this week, uh, you know what? I wrote a bunch. I'm going with five. So what? don't wow. don't expect the the baton handed off, and I'm sure I'll wish it was three by the time I'm at the end. But That's awesome. we're gonna try and have a little fun today. All right. Uh, as a form of protest against the war, McDonald's has decided to close all 850 of its restaurants in Russia. 
Uh, yeah, and I'm not so sure this is a great idea. Uh, now, if the Ruskies run out of bullets, they can go straight to McNuggets. <laughs> you, I've been stricken by chicken. They've <laughs> dealt with that. <laughs> stricken by chicken. They'll find me in six pieces. <laughs> All right, next joke. The city of Los Angeles is celebrating its 250th birthday this year. And while that sounds old, remember, after the agents and managers get at it, it'll only be 200. <laughs> hey, and now, boy, some, some scary news. A, a bloody scene at New York's Museum of Modern Art this week <clears throat> as two security guards were stabbed by a disturbed oh. patron. Uh, yeah, but uh, fortunately, the blood was splattered on a Pollock, so no one really noticed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are more than halfway through. <laughs> After a brief retirement, quarterback Tom Brady announced that he will be returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. And while some are unhappy with the decision, uh, President Biden stated that Brady's return should help fight inflation. And finally, four jokes. <laughs> well, maybe I should have ended with this one. And finally, Oscar-winning actor William Hurt passed away peacefully in his home this week. He gone. Uh, indeed, he gone. Uh, at a press conference, uh, doctors broadcast news that his body heat altered to a big chill. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good recovery. That was great. Uh, and I'd like to give a shout out before I hand it off. That last joke was written by our good friend and sent to me, Ted Jessup. So, Ted Jessup, oh, nice. great big chill joke. Great, great, great. joke. Uh, Ted, send me the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. He doesn't, don't need to feather his nest. All right. Here we go. Uh, Vice presidential husband Doug Emhoff, Doug Emhoff has contracted COVID. Yeah, but don't worry. Out of an abundance of caution, they're keeping him away from anyone important. Uh, fortunately for the first man, that doesn't include his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to get somehow get to tug Emhoff. <laughs> that would have been better. Uh, all right. A woman... A woman with size 28H breasts aye, aye, aye. underwent a breast reduction to lessen her chest to B cups. Yeah, the woman was elated, saying diminishing her huge mammaries cured her of headaches, depression, and back pain. Yes. When reached for a comment, her husband said, yeah, it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> Performance joke. Love it. All right, here's, here's a Norm. Oh, it's a Norm McDonald-style joke. Here we go. <clears throat> well, there's widespread outrage as gas prices have skyrocketed because oil has briefly gone over $130 a barrel. $130 a barrel. <laughs> my dog likes it. Here's my question. Are we sure we're not being ripped off on barrels? <laughs> okay. And finally, back to Johnny. Back the United to... States is being invaded by murder hornets. Ooh. Murder hornets. And this is oh, interesting. Boy. Scientists say they can be stopped by a sex spray, oh. which tricks the murderous pests into thinking they might find a breeding opportunity, but then... 
They meet their demise at the bottom of a trap. Yeah, and uh, the spray is harvested from the skin of my ex-wife. Love the performance joke and always love the ex-wife jokes. No, there we go. Always As they say, good enough. Good enough. We are done for another week with those god-awful things. Yes. All right. So, you know what? We're going to get back into a couple emails here. So, first, JC, let's, let's... See if we can finally wrap up this Mike very Royce, yeah. awesome but very long email from Mike <laughs> Royce about the Cheers pilot. So we had an episode a while ago that was about the Cheers pilot. Yeah. Mike Royce wrote us many more things about it that we didn't think of because he's smarter and better at this than we are. So now today, I think we have seen the light at the end of the tunnel and we are going to finish this email today. JC? Yeah, maybe we might. Um, okay, so where we <laughs> left off was we ended the the email, and then we are at the oh. PSs. We're at the postscripts. Oh, wow. oh yes. PSs. Okay. Yes. Multiple, multiple PSs. Yes, there's two notes. There's note one and note two, by okay. the way. So PS, on network notes then and now, note one, one thing to debate. In the pilot, they establish that Diane is basically a waitress savant, memorizing all those drinks. In the cold open of the second episode, she nervously brings three glasses of water to the wrong table and then makes everybody switch seats to cover her mistake. Did they sell out her character or is she new at the job and just a human being who makes mistakes like the rest of us? I can imagine the network thinking she's got a photographic memory. This doesn't work. Yeah. I I hate to say it. I agree with the network angle there. I think... They did sell out her character in episode two just for the joke, yeah. which I get. Like, yeah. believe me, I'm the first one to sell out any character <laughs> for if, if it'll get us out, you know, before dinner. Right. So I, I could see that happening there. Right. Okay. Um, note two. The kid slash adult day player in the Red Windbreaker gets like four of the first big laughs of the pilot episode, and that would never be allowed today. Quotes. Let's establish our main character's big comic POV right up front. Who was Sam in this exchange? Bad pitch. Maybe he rips the kid a new one, but in a hilarious way. Lots of question marks. And then, quote, bad pitch is code for definitely do this exact thing. (laughs) (laughs) And that concludes. Well, well, Goldie, you (laughs) noticed this kid right off the bat. He was a weird looking kid in the Cheers. But like a sort of specifically Massachusetts weird looking kid. Like there there was, I and I tweeted this, retweeted it about a year ago. And I I think I sent it to you. There was a, a video of a news report, a local Boston news report about video games taking over. And it was like, are video games dangerous? They're now in every corner of every store and local teens. And then they showed this B-roll of, you know, a bunch of 10-year-olds playing Q-Bird and all these things. And then half of them were shirtless. (laughs) And this was just a phenomenon I remember so specifically. There were all these weird-looking, kind of round, flat-faced, shirtless kids (laughs) just hanging out local Boston. And they were all, like, local toughs, and and they were weird. That's what that kid was yes, yeah. like it yeah. captured it perfectly yeah well and i think that the the shirtless thing was a little bit kind of a i think a remnant from the 70s uh where people had to cut off jeans and in very flimsy t-shirts or no t-shirt and also 
I think you can trace it to something I like to call the Spicoli effect uh. with uh, Sean Penn's character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was 1980, right. was like shirtless everywhere and, and in the arcade. Oh, and so I yeah. think, like, people just got emboldened to just weirdly take their shirts off in <laughs> <Yeah>. arcades. But, <laughs> like, where, I mean, this is a question for scientists. Where have all the moon-faced, puffy-hair, freckly kids gone? <laughs> <laughs> I know. They were everywhere like gypsy moth caterpillars at one point. Yes, and now you're you right. And can't find one. Wait, <laughs> I know. I, didn't they change the name of that moth? I think they did. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's right. Spongy, they, the spongy, spongy moth. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> no, yeah, no to all the gypsies who listen, we are very sorry. Um, yeah, that is, but so that, that, but he's also, Mike is, I think, also dead on here. You wouldn't today open your pilot with a scene with a kid who's has no part of the show. Like, and, and that kid tells a lot of the first jokes. It, it's just a network wouldn't, or a studio wouldn't allow that yeah. today, I don't think. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Well, you also don't, I mean, the, the fact is, is that these shows, I was thinking about this this week as, as we were talking about the podcast, that the, these shows, uh, the networks grabbed more and more commercial time over the years. So when Cheers came out, I think the total amount of time for the actual program was something like 26 and a half minutes. Yeah. And the commercial time was three and a half. And that has, has gone all the way down to, I, I, I want to say 2120 or something. Or yeah. 2140, I think. Yeah. And they're, so they're grabbing, you know, eight minutes of commercial time and it's changed the pace of things. So you couldn't pace wise have this kid there yeah. because right. it, it, you have way less time to expose your main characters to the audience. Right. Yeah, it's wasted real estate, basically. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's part of the reason why people en masse shifted to streaming as they did, because it's, it is, it's interesting, It's because as we go into our topic, I think this is a, a nice bridge there. Yeah. Right. But how did network television, which was in people's homes for something like 60 or 70 years, for free and had an approval rating of a hundred percent, right? Like <laughs> right. everyone's favorite thing in the world was television. Yeah. Yeah. You would go yeah. home, you would turn on your television, yeah. and it would entertain you. Only like the curmudgeoniest of curmudgeonly <laughs> people didn't like TV. Everyone yeah. loved TV. So this was a thing that was your default thing to do for 70 years. And so how did it go from like, everyone is watching everything all the time to 10 years later, the ratings are down to a fraction of 1%. Like, how do you lose the audience that fast? And I think part of it is you you get greedy. Like, you were, yeah. you say, we need more ad revenue. And it's like, yeah. well, that, you might be making money short term, but that comes at a cost of audience attention where they now can watch things where they don't have any commercial interruptions. Yep. And they watch properly paced shows. That are, yeah. you know, 25 to 26 minutes long as opposed to these, you know, I, I know both my shows when I had to edit and you're trying to get down to 2140 and you're pulling out things that are kind of important to context or kind of give the show any nuance. They have to be stripped away. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. a great point. It's good. And, and also, you know, on streaming, everything's curated. It's just all very organized for you to just pluck as opposed to the sort of haphazard nature of TV where they make you watch their things at a certain time. It's like, But I do well, think people had to condition themselves to like participating in it. Like, I think I enjoyed the, the curating turn off your mind aspect of network TV, which was like, I don't want to make a decision about what to watch, which is why 
every time they try to do something like the Clue movie, where it's like, you choose your ending. You choose your own <laughs> yeah, ending. Yeah, We're yeah. going to have movie theaters that have buttons in them, and people can choose what happens in the movie. It's like, <laughs> no one wants to be sitting there making story decisions. They want <laughs> to sit back and zone out and be entertained. And I think, like, funny. I find Netflix more exhausting than I used to find regular TV. And I, I think this is almost a universal thing at this point. I've heard variations of people saying this comedically is like, I get on and, and all I do is scroll through my queue. I get yeah. on and, and it's like all I'm doing is shuffling through things, deciding if I want to watch where it, it was way easier to not make that decision. I right. agree. And it's something annoying about Netflix and a few a few of the streaming services do this. If like you're scrolling through, the minute you stop on something for a second, it launches into a clip of whatever that like it, it starts kind of playing you a preview right. like yeah. when you're yeah. on it that makes me like very anxious it's just yeah. like just let me scroll through and don't start shouting at me yeah I agree. you know yeah. about whatever show it is it's like i if i'm interested in the thumbnail i'll click on it and read the one line thing of what it is right and then i'll maybe i'll give it a try but when it it starts barking at me i'm like all right yeah, look, no i'm off it's too much we all want to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet once a year. Every <laughs> yeah. time you go to a restaurant, you don't want to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet or else all-you-can-eat buffets would be the most popular thing ever. You, you're you going into a restaurant for a niche. You want a hamburger. You want sushi. You want Chinese food. You want Mongolian food. You want a diner, right? And so, yes. but the problem is, is now everything is an all-you-can-eat buffet. And I think I find it creatively frustrating. I think it's why people's minds are so scattered yeah, too much to that's choose. a good point. Very well said. Um, yes. And now we, we wanted to, to get to a second email. And Goldie, why don't you set this up? Because you know that this person who emailed us, this very yeah, funny so, thing. Uh, her name's Margie McGee. She's a really funny writer. I I, I don't know if we, we may have overlapped briefly at the Cleveland show. And she's a fan of the podcast, which is cool. And yeah. I think always makes us feel good that yeah, oh yeah. You know, movers and shakers in the industry are yeah. listening. <laughs> uh, she wrote in, I, I just thought this was such an entertaining yeah, I loved email it. and very flattering. Yes. So. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ooh, we're getting parents <laughs> over there. <laughs> Tom Devani has joined us. <laughs> um, the subject is as miserable as bamboo toilet paper makes a butthole, dot, dot, yeah, dot. She listens, and it does. I can vouch, it does. And continues, um, is as happy as your podcast makes me. Aww. 18 months of plague has turned me into a real melancholy crease. And by the time Omicron came through and roomed, <laughs> roomed the holidays, one of my favorite words, um, mm. I was done feeling sad and scared. I would have been fine to go the way of Ebert's lower mandible. <laughs> but then <laughs> <fell> some- <laughs> but then somehow I found my way to your podcast and it made me genuinely laugh out loud a lot. And the stories you share about your parents slash significant others slash kids, dogs, families have both broken and warmed my heart. Looking forward to many, many more disgusting displays. Oh boy, pressure. <laughs> I just listened to the episode where you discussed being the Ricardos. I have not watched the movie, and I thought I'd share with you the cinematic quotes, fuck you, that led me to swear off indulging anything about slash involving Lucille Ball. 
For your files, a clip from the 1985 drama Stone Pillow featuring Lucy's interpretation of the harsh realities of homelessness. Oh. And she, she included um, a brief clip. Please play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had I had never heard of this. Yeah. Stone Pillow is a great title, though. Yeah. <laughs> and so this. So this is a Lucille Ball portraying homelessness. Yes, and it's just a close-up of her, and and this is uh, what she says. I has to go bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> And delivered with total sincerity, without a touch. So, so let me get this straight. If you're if you're homeless, your English breaks down to sort of like a 1800s, you know, servant level. Like, but it's also like terrible. baby. She's like, I has to go. Like she's like, <laughs> I has to go bathroom. You because know, as we tape this podcast, typically a few times during it, we we take breaks that we edit out. And, you know, occasionally they're there for people to use the facilities. So I think now yeah. we should let the audience know when we take those breaks and we should let each other know we're taking those yes. breaks. Yes. Going forward by playing that clip. Yes. yes. And and we would have already had two of them today, yeah. by the way. I probably had we, should have but, gone just the last break. That, that is very fun. Well, you know, if you do go, what's what? coming? What's coming? And by the way, that at that stage of her career with 1985, Lucille Ball was like, 80% menthol cigarette. Like she was yeah. no longer seems, a, a, so, yeah. a functioning human. She was yeah. just an ashtray with like an oh, orange man. wig. I mean, I would I would at this point do almost anything to see. I, I, I'm sure, you know, they did numerous takes of this scene that somewhere there's a reel of her doing sort of different shades on I has to go bathroom. Okay, this time you really have to go. I has to go bathroom. Okay, this time you've already gone and are sad. I has to go bathroom. Uh, <laughs> nailed I love it. working with actors on stuff like that. Uh, well, I, I like to think of that, that that jazz went from it was prob maybe a properly written line and the has to was something she got to on like yes. take 12. And she was like, let's use has to. I like, it's got a ring of authenticity to it. Yes, I could see very much also the, the writer standing frustrated in what we call video village, which is where you watch as yes. they're shooting, you watch what you would be seeing on TV. Like sometimes an actor will lock into phrasing that's not in the script and then everyone kind of sits there and is like, do you want to tell the big star who's Lucille Ball? It's like, she keeps saying has to go back. <laughs> or is she in some sort of bizarre mental cycle? Because like the way I would approach that is is I would try to say the line properly back of them, not letting them know they'd said it incorrectly. <laughs> yes. So Lucille, when, when you have the line, I have to go to the bathroom, <laughs> um, you tilt a bit to the left so we could see more of your face. Like I would just pretend there was some other problem with it. Right. And then use that as an excuse to say the line correctly three or four times, oh. hoping that they would then pick up the line as I have to go to the bathroom. Because, That's good. Because or else you're in the debate of, you know, you're, you, hey, listen, fuck face. You know, you're saying I that tends to like send things off the rail. <laughs> Oh God, that is funny. So, so Margie McGee, thank you for yeah. bringing that yes. to our attention. Oh, I have not seen that. I will. Yeah. I, she also included some pictures of her dog that were. That was her. That's her. Yes. I thought that it's was this, a different person. No, okay, it's the you're same looking at email. it right now. Yeah. So, um, I I think if maybe I'll ask her if it's okay if we post them 
because yeah. they're they're her dogs. Maybe you can explain it better, but they're yeah. No, I think it's just one dog that she's yes. dressed up you're, three different ways. You're absolutely right. And so dressed one up, obviously looking the best as JC, and it, it complete <laughs> with uh, beautiful hair and lipstick. lipstick. And then mine, <laughs> mine who kind of looks like a mess. And then Goldie's, who was the funniest by far because it had a bald cap. <laughs> Which I didn't on the catch dog. until you told me. Oh, so, so Margie McGee did you dirty Thank you, a little Margie, bit. Thank you, Margie, for the bald cap. Because yeah, I was forgot so I was bald. I couldn't, tell, I couldn't tell what the bald cap was made of. It, it was either like a cup of a fleshy brow. Yeah. Or it was like a, like some kind of large ace bandage. or I don't know. Maybe it was a real bald I cap. I think the dog's name is Evelyn. Possibly. Oh, okay. Shout out good. to Evelyn the dog. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you, Margie. Thank you very much for all the awesome. hashtag Great content. Email. Yeah, it really. Great email. Email. Going forward, you'll be in the show. Oh yeah. You. That's right. Yep. I has to go bathroom. I has to go bathroom. I has to, I has to the... go bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I just thought about though, what if what if the remaining balls come after us? Are there any balls left on <laughs> oh, earth Lucia to come ball. after us like, for that? Fair use, right? <laughs> I hope so. Commenting on it. I hope we don't oh, have yeah. a bunch of balls coming after us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, that's so funny. Um, all right, so those are great emails. And again, if you want to send us an email or any thoughts about anything. Uh, regarding the show or, or anything at all, the address is a typical disgusting display at gmail.com. And Goldie has that phone number. 310-896-8274. Again, that's 310-896-8274. And again, how were the messages this week? Didn't listen to them. <laughs> that's two weeks in a row. Oh, listen, okay. someone should call and be the first one to get listened to. It's possible that Lou uh, Schneider uh, has left a message. He, he did text me and he was like, Oh yeah, I'll like, log on to that. Okay. Yeah. You got it. You got to listen to that thing. That's great. And uh, yeah, I was <laughs> contemplating calling in this week and being like, I thought, will you be nicer to Alec? Is <laughs> 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 that alien Ray Romano? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah. So give us a, send us an email, give us a call, do whatever you want. Leave something funny or not. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <laughs> this week, uh, the theme, Goldie, you brought this up, and I, I thought it was a good idea, the, the, the title, which is very catchy, Fight or Flight. Yes. Do you want to explain what that means? Yeah, so as you engage in writing, we've talked about notes 
in in a macro sense, like the notes you get from studio executives and network executives. But what we haven't talked about is you're actually being noted way earlier than that. From the first time you have an idea and you pitch it to your representatives, people will start trying to change, alter, give their take on on the idea. And those are notes. And so I thought the larger topic would be, when should you fight these things? When should you roll over and take them? Because here's the thing is, do you want to fight everyone, right? Here's one school of thought that if you don't start fighting everyone from the beginning, A, you're going to lose slowly the original idea. It's going to just erode into the sea until like a glacier it will collapse into something that you didn't want it to be and then if it goes forward you will be stuck doing this weird diluted idea you didn't want to do right second point about that (laughs) is by not fighting you lose the opportunity to make them think you are a singular-minded artist yes who will not take anything from anyone and and do you want to be thought of as like a Ryan Murphy or a Shonda Rhimes, someone who always sticks to their guns? Yeah. And the benefit of that is eventually, if you navigate that correctly, people will stop giving you notes because they'll just know you're not going to take them. But you do have to be a singular genius for it to work right. because otherwise, if it doesn't work, you will be branded an asshole yes. and will likely never run anything again. Those are both great points. And to add on to that last point, because you mentioned rightfully so uh, Ryan Murphy and Shonda Rhimes, those are people who call their own shots. I would throw in like, a, you know, obviously like an Aaron Sorkin, who's now even more in movies, but there are a few people like that. But there are only a very few people like that. And, And on the flip side, there are many people who are very successful show creators, show runners who play the game. Who don't say, okay, I need everybody to look at me as like Mozart, and how dare you ask me to remove a note from my symphony. And and I obviously, like, when I'm in this position, I will say for myself, I am not, clearly not somebody who says, like, think of me as a genius. I am somebody who tries to play the game, but I try to play it that in a way that maintains my dignity and logic where I will listen to all of the notes. I will try to remove myself from the emotional attachment that I have to my script. I will look at all the notes and judge them on their face. And I've found, and this has happened in movies and in TV. I remember we worked with Scott Stuber yeah, you remember him, Goldie. Oh yeah, the, he he's a, and he's huge. I think at Netflix now. He's like yeah, I know. Of, I love that you asked me. Oh, you remember the guy who's running film at Netflix, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> Wait, Scott? Stu- Scott, Scott, Scott Huber. But so anyway, Scott Stuber has been a big time Hollywood producer for many years and is now running the the film department at at uh, Netflix. But he was one of the producers on Ted, Ted Two, A Million Ways to Die in the West. And I remember he came to us, me and Wellesley, with a pitch for something in A Million Ways to Die in the West. He wanted to add a scene at the beginning of the movie. And I thought it was a, like, I think there's, a, there's an instinct there that writers have when a, someone like a producer or somebody comes over with a note is that you want to dismiss it. Y- your first instinct is to, who the hell is this guy? We're the writers. Like, what are you telling yeah. us to do? He gave us such a great note 
for that, which ultimately was not implemented in the movie, I'll say. But it's important to listen to each note and say, does this note have value? And then you have to add to the equation, who is giving me the note? Is it somebody way high up like Scott Stuber? Is it somebody who's sort of a mid-level executive over at the studio or network? Is it somebody really new who's just trying to kind of speak up at a meeting? And believe me, the way you deal with these notes is directly impacted by the level of person who's giving you the note. Like if Dana Walden sent down a note, we would do it no questions asked. Like you just there's kind of have to. Well, absolutely, but that's what we're talking about today. It's like when do you defend shit and when do you just do it? And so I think. But I'm curious from the executive perspective, and I'd like to hear from someone. If someone starts taking the notes, do they say, wow, this person has no idea what they're doing because they just need so much help? Yeah, well, I could I could see that. But that goes back to the to the uh, point of really listening to each of the notes. And maybe you get 10 notes, let's just say, because it's a nice round number on your your pilot script. And if you take two of them because they're really good notes and explain why you don't want to take the... It's important to give people their dignity when they give you a note and you don't take it to tell them why you're not taking it. And then I feel like that kind of bolsters that respect. You know, they wouldn't sit there and say, well, that guy doesn't know what the fuck he wants. They'll say, okay, he gave me these specific reasons. He doesn't want to take these notes. I might not agree with that, but he's at least told me why. And he has accepted some of the notes. Yeah, I think that's the best way to move forward. I mean, that's the best way to move forward if you want to survive and keep working. Right. And it, it depends what your goal is, right? Is your goal, whatever your project is, to proceed with it in the fashion that you conceived it exactly with no alterations, which is a legitimate point of view. It's just not one that I've experienced you can get particularly far with. No. Because I've, I've tried this both ways. Like, I, I feel like on my first series when I was new, I was like, well, I better give everyone their fair shake and listen to everyone. And that comes at an enormous psychological cost because it's almost like then everyone realizes you will take notes and it right. encourages right. them to give more notes. And and everyone from, again, your representatives at the pitch stage to not just the scripts, but the cuts is giving you notes. And you your entire day can be absorbed with just because they will cause you to second guess everything. And then there's no center to the whole thing. And this is, I think, one of the dangers is that you don't even know what you're doing anymore because you've now turned it over to a committee. And one of my favorite football podcasters, this guy, Mike Lombardi, always says, there are no statues built to committees. Wow, yeah. Anything that's good usually comes from one person's vision. And so I think what I didn't know going in when I was lucky enough to have my own shows was that again, so you, you tell the, your representatives, I have this idea for a pitch. They'll, they might start just saying like, are you sure this character would do this? Are you sure these two characters aren't one character? Do you want to tell the story this way? And, and you're defending yourself before you've started doing anything. Yeah. You're potentially changing things and that you have to be prepared for that to happen, I think, because it, 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 no one tells you that. And, and from then you, 
you pitch it to the studio. So you, you've done nothing, right? Like right. you've come up with a presentation to maybe give to a network. We're not talking about a script or anything. We're talking about batting around ideas. You're already on defense. Yes. And now right. you're going into the studio to pitch it. So you're saying, can I have permission to go have permission to pitch this? You're right. two steps removed from pitching it. Wow. Right. And you're and the studio may say, we like the idea, but we want to do X, Y, Z. And very early on, you will say, that's not exactly my idea. But when you're a first time showrunner, it's hard not to take those notes. And, yeah. and then the studio may want to pair you, as we've talked about, with a producer, a pod, it's called. That pod, they'll start to say, what if it's this or this? And in fact, one of my shows, I got in a situation where, and this is where I drew the line, is, is the person at the pod said, hey, I just opened up the script and changed this line and dialogue. And I said, I have to stop you right there. And, and you have to start talking in a way that might be very uncomfortable for you to talk. Right. right. I said, I have to stop you right there. As long as we do this, you're never going to open a script again. <laughs> right. That's my job. Right. There are certain things that are your job that I don't interfere with. You are not allowed to open a script and go in there and change anything. <laughs> you cannot do it. It is a line that will not be crossed. And they were like, I'm just trying to help you. And it's like, I don't need that kind of help. But right. they'll take as much and more ground so quickly you can lose that. Because say the producer starts thinking they can go in the script and start just making little changes. Like, I mean, right. that's, yeah, that's chaos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but they'll would, take it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because what I, I guess I misunderstood a little bit before but when you were just saying you know at the you haven't even written a script yet you're at the pitching the concept you haven't even written the pitch yeah you're pitching the pitch you're pitching the pitch and that's where they're nudging it like saying like well what if he had a funny neighbor that kind of thing i mean you'll say things like you know i I mean you can get in these so we're talking about again nothing and like this is so far removed from writing because all the nuance shows up in the writing and in the pitch you're just creating stereotypes. Like you're, yeah. you're like, you know, she's a brassy female fireman. Fire <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I love it. You know, and, and they'll just start saying like, you know, fire lady seems like a very narrow thing. And our research shows that our audience tends to be uh, more upper crust. Could she be an architect? And in right. that moment, you have to just kind of go like, either go, you know, cause if you say no, Right. <laughs> they yeah. might say like, sorry, we're looking for female architect comedies, not female <laughs> lady comedy. I mean, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Like, yeah, these things well, can be wrong. But then if in that moment you say, yes, you're doing something that you had no intention of doing that maybe you you can't even do correct. Right. Right. Well, then that with. to go back to one of one of the older shows where you gave some great advice, I'll quote it back to you it's it's almost like that's your moment to give a version of we'll take a look at it like Uh, there's a way to do we'll take a look at it with those kinds of people that puts them off enough that you can drive home and think about what to say the reason why that's not a good idea and then communicate that to them and then see where it goes so it's like i think i'll take a look at it works with individual notes and individual scenes but when you're talking about such broadly conceptual things as a character, it will not work because they they will dig in on like, we're either having, you know, it's, it's like this show is either taking place in a hospital, a law office, 
or again a fire station right right and they they think in such broad terms on the pitch level and when you go into sell a pitch they're really looking like at workplace comedies the 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 buying executive will be going up to their boss going like we have a white collar one we have a blue collar one we have a small town one we have a big city one right and we have a family business one and you will need to fit in one of those five genres and if you start getting cute and you don't you know tell them which category your thing falls into they just won't do it but you intentionally may not want to go into those categories because all those shows suck for the most part because they've been right 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 (laughs) (laughs) well it is it's a tricky dance it's a and again you talk about your representation. So I've been with Matt Rice over at UTA for, you know, over a decade now. I love him and he's awesome and I have a great relationship with him. So he's somebody because of the length of our relationship that if I were pitching a pitch to UTA and somebody said, okay, instead of a firewoman, can she, you know, work in a hospital? And that wasn't what I wanted to do. I could tell Matt Rice, like, no. Like, you know, it depends on your relationship. You also have enough going on that you don't need this. Whereas someone who needs this and it's their one big shot, you can get strong-armed into taking it. And I guess I'm not trying to reach a conclusion with this topic. Right. It's it's one of the more amorphous ones. It's it's one of those things that, you know, for people who listen and want to get real inside baseball on this stuff and the type of situation you'll have to deal with that you may not have anticipated. uh, That's true. Yeah, I guess this this is just one of them. And and it's you are going to have to it's you're going to have to determine your own pain tolerance by like pinching yourself harder and harder. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And and yes, it's presumptuous of me to say like, well, I've been with my agent for 10 years because a lot of the people listening are probably like, yeah, that that doesn't do me any good. Well, that's the other thing, too, is, is, you know, say you're new with your agent and you you want to be your agent's favorite client, ideally. Yeah, right. Yes. Like you want everything that comes in for them, you to be their first thought and for them to be searching for you. And you start going, well, if I'm difficult with this person, now is my blood supply going to get cut off? Right. Because they go, every time I talk to this person, it's just no, no, no. They make it difficult. And you're kind of, when you reject their notes, you're kind of calling them stupid. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it goes back to the the point I was making earlier. Like I... I think as nice as as it is for people like Ryan Murphy and Shonda Rhimes to exist, they are absolutely unicorns. And the the large, you know, the vast majority of writers who are successful showrunners live in a world where they do take notes and they do accept thoughts, you know, even at an early stage of a project. I'm not saying they take them all. But they have a relationship with the people they work with where at least there's the appearance of taking notes and hearing notes. Yes. It, it, it doesn't always result in concrete changes to the project, but you gotta, you have to be able to play ball. It's well, really nice. Yeah, go By ahead. the way, all the executives talk to one another because their employment situations are as fluid as ours, right? Yeah, like right. it's it's that you know revolving lazy Susan on the table where that I talk about in writers' rooms, where it's like, you know, look to your right, that person will be your boss in two years, and right. look yeah. to your right, that person will be the boss in two years, and and round and round we go, and they've all rotated studios and networks and worked with everyone. So if if you're a difficult person, 
you know, before someone at Hulu works with you, they might call up someone, your last boss at Netflix and just say like, hey, we're thinking of doing this show. Is this person kind of cool? And they'll say, yeah. oh my God, they're a terror. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's totally true. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that our uh, our profession writers along with actors are probably most affected by executive gossip. Like, And I mean, a- yeah. accurate stuff. Like I'm not saying they're they're making it up. But absolutely, your your reputation with uh, the executives at the studio and the network will have a, a large impact on your career, which, again, goes back to just just play ball. There's a way to do it respectfully where you don't you can keep your vision and you can give them at least polite lip service, if not a few actual notes, because they're all trying to make what you have better, even if their version of better is way off base even if they want to put your firehouse comedy in a hospital and that's crazy to you, they're doing it for a reason because they think more people will watch. Like they're, right. they, they all want to make money off your, I, your I, project. I, I quibble with some of the nuance there. Oh, they're, quibble. <laughs> they're trying to please their bosses. And so that it may be that they think more people will watch, but it also may be that they can go into a meeting and say, I got that person why to do x that yeah. we've been talking about because their boss i i mean like the way sometimes that things are developed is can be so unbelievably casual that we almost can't believe their origin story like like the show lost oh, right uh abc went on a corporate retreat and the the president of everything at that time this guy lloyd braun just said like i kind of want to do a show where a plane crashes right. on an <laughs> island <laughs> And so right. it's like everyone's marching orders are, okay, plane crash on an island. Let's go find all the plane crash on an island shows. And they hooked up with these guys who are geniuses who brought that thing to fruition in a way. I actually haven't, I can't get past the pilot loss. It's not something I enjoy. Oh, JC I is it. a big fan. Yeah, yeah, is a big oh, okay, fan. but obviously like that's the, the pilot's success. Amazing. Huge success. Yeah. And then huge I, heard, success. I heard, funnily enough, years later that ABC went on another retreat <laughs> and they were like, we need ideas. And they said like, <laughs> We should do a Swiss Family Robinson. It's like, uh. that's the same idea. <laughs> like, every time they go on a retreat for a big idea, it's like, an island. <laughs> but it just shows you, like, like the origin of Lost was, a, was like a casual whim of someone. Yeah. yeah. But then had margin. And, and, if, and if you're going in and, and you've thought out this pitch based on, like, you know, my family and how my parents came to America and they made this restaurant work and all of a sudden they're like, instead of a restaurant, <laughs> right. could they have had like an exterminator business right. they made work <laughs> right. in sort of a big city and there was kind of an upstairs downstairs where they, they like became the exterminators for the building and lived in it and there's a corporation upstairs and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, it's to do with anything that it, they may be trying to please a king or queen. Right, right a mad king or queen off screen who's just having whims. Right. Yeah. Yep. That is, I didn't know that about Lost. Uh, yeah. But that's, that's a very funny origin story. And, and I know we're talking about notes at a very early stage of your project right now and how do you protect your project from early influences. But uh, to get back to, you know, there are so many, and I'm sure it's in television too, there are so many stories in Hollywood of like The Godfather, for instance. Apparently, the first cut of The Godfather was not great. And the producer, Robert Evans, Mr. Suave, R.I.P., he gone. He, gone. Um, he 
gave Francis Ford Coppola like the greatest notes that turned it into the Godfather oh. that we see now. Like he, yeah. it completely changed the movie. What? And I, I think you hear about like Goodwill Hunting. Uh, the script that Damon and Affleck wrote for Goodwill Hunting was like a CIA spy story. It was like That's a right. spy thriller. And the studio, or maybe the 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 wonderful person Harvey Weinstein himself, somebody <laughs> gave all these notes and said, "No, it should be more about the kid crying in the therapist's office." And then it's the movie we all love. Yeah. So sometimes they nail it, and it it kind of sucks, as Goldie's mentioned hilariously well, in the earlier. Worst thing that can happen, yeah, is when you take the note and then everything gets better. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. <laughs> yes. You said that in an earlier, yeah. and, and then there's the executive with his arm around you. Yes, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's Goldie's nightmare. Yeah. Oh my god. Part of right. that, the the eighty percent of the nightmare is having the arm around me. Yes, <laughs> we can acknowledge that. Yeah, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I guess to try and put a bow on this uh, this amorphous topic, this inside baseball topic. Oh, Lancelotti, another <laughs> meaningless home run <laughs> into an empty parking lot. Um, it's hard to say. Like, Goldie, I, I think uh, of the two of us, I feel like you are a little more like, that's don't fuck with my idea, which I respect immensely. And I feel like I'm a little bit more like, yeah, maybe a hospital. <laughs> you know, Patrick Negan, who's a writer on Family Guy, has a very good hilarious writer, this, which which is sometimes like he comes back and he gives you some material and then they say, I, I'm not quite sure this is it. Can you take a, not, another shot at it? And he'll say, look, <laughs> that was my shot at it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't hold back and give you my worst <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Right. So if you send me out again, it's just yeah. going to get worse because I yep. gave you what was my best shot at this. Yes. And that's kind of how I feel is that when I conceive this thing and I have this idea that you're responding to something that I it's that way. Because when you talk about a sense of humor, like I think people sometimes don't conceive of that correctly. It's like your sense of touch, your sense of smell. It's like I can't articulate why I think something is funny. It is a sense. It is, I, I have a feeling, an, an inclination, a hunch where I go, yes or no. And it is not scientific. Right. And I don't know where it comes from or why it comes to me. So when I have this idea, I just kind of go, that's my sense of the idea. And that yeah. what you're saying is not my sense of the idea. So I don't have a lot of faith in myself to execute it because yeah. it just isn't how I'm seeing it. And so it's right. not, an antagonistic thing where I'm saying, fuck you, you're an idiot and I'm a genius. Cause I, I think you've been around me enough to know. I don't think of myself as a genius. And yet you are kind of, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it starts to then cycle into my own anxiety about executing something that I don't fully understand or even like. Yeah. Whereas I'm presenting you this thing because I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah. crossing my fingers when I present something thinking it's bad and I'm going to fool you. Like, I think I've right. done a good job and I believe that I'm responding to something in it that I can keep doing more of it. And I, and I think like if there are executives listening, when you see writers kind of freak out, that's what's going on in their heads. Is it in that moment, I think they don't believe they have the ability to do what you want them to do. And yet their existence depends on doing it yeah. <laughs> in yeah. some sense. And you're watching 
the gears grinding against each other and and the melting going on in their brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to the also to the executives listening, um, some writers react that way. Others just walk out of your office, bite that gold coin, and walk straight to the bank. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's all there is. Yeah. So, you know, whoever's easier for you to work with. Um, that was a fun topic, though. I like talking yeah. about that. Yes. It's, it's, it's fun right. to think about... Uh, you know those ideas, like right at the beginning, and you're right. You gotta, you gotta pitch the pitch, which is crazy. It's like you have to pitch the thing to get to a pitch, yeah. which is and then, strange. And then, just as a last final word on this topic, I'll say the one thing that should keep you from freaking out that you don't realize until you've gone through the entire process is you can do anything in editing. It's unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Like you can eliminate scenes actors takes you don't like you can just have looks and put music under it yeah and it becomes something else and so sometimes some of the stuff we're fighting over you just realize in the end like it didn't matter and everyone's looking at their phones while they watch it anyway (laughs) (laughs) that's the way that's a good ending thought on that yes we're all looking at our phones including the creators of the show probably looking at their phones (laughs) while their show is on yeah. Hey, before we, uh, as we transition here from the theme to top five, we want to tease, we got a guest for next week. Yes, that's right. We got out of really working again for a big <laughs> chunk of the show. Thanks to our exciting guest, Mr. David Goodman, Woo-hoo! Family Guy showrunner, president of the WGA. Is he still? I think he stepped down. I thought he's stepped he, down. He, he, did, he defeated the agents in this yeah. town. He, he, took, he brought the agencies to their knees. I hope he talks about it. I hope <laughs> they love him for it. We're yeah. go, we're obviously going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about some fun uh, Family Guy memories, and we're going to talk to him about his new project, which is called Honor Society. He wrote a movie entirely himself, and it is being made for yes. Paramount Plus. And so it's a, it's this guy moving on. That's him moving <laughs> on. You, know you what? thought I was angry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wait till you see David. <laughs> I know and, David listens to this show all the time, yeah. and uh, he's just a great guy to talk to. So he wrote we're for have Golden a, Girls. He's done it. all. He did. So cool. I know that's so cool. Oh, I have we, to, we, we, one other thing though. He yeah. he might be in jury duty next week. So if he is, then it'll be pushed to the following week. Just 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 like okay. All right. I don't know. Let's talk, talk for quite a while. Okay. Privately over text, he will talk about the case on the podcast. <laughs> that's right. I don't know if that has any impact on whether he gets selected or not. But he was going to give us his opinions on the case, a lot of hearsay and conjecture <laughs> about the facts. Uh, no, that'll be fun to have him. Uh, but now let's roll right into a segment of the show we like to call Top Five. Top Five. I'm going to stop antagonizing Mr. Brody in a couple of weeks. But for now, that was us singing. We love it. It's the best thing we'll ever do. So top five this week, this was my category. I was very excited by it. It was really difficult, I thought, but fun. The category this week is top five movies by a guy named Anderson. (laughs) So basically, we're talking about Wes and P.T. Wes Anderson and P.T. Anderson. They've they've made a lot of great movies. We're going to try and narrow it down to five. Uh, Would Uh, anyone like to go first? um, Goldie, uh, do you You want me to? Sure. I mean, sure. Go for it. To avoid further weird delays in the podcast, I will go first. (laughs) (laughs) Number five, The Master. Oh, wow. Excellent choice. 
excellent choice. It's a very divisive movie. I a lot never of people saw it. do not like The Master. I think it's the best double acting performance movie ever. Like two actors. Uh, Is it Joaquin it's, and Philip Seymour it, No, it's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and, yeah, and Joaquin. Yeah, Joaquin, Joaquin. Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, I think they were fantastic together. I have yeah. to watch it's that. Just, it's just, it's a weird journey. Uh, it's, and it, number four, it's, it's tight between these two. But they're, they're both great movies to watch when you have a fever. Nice. Uh, oh, there will be blood. Oh, oh. excellent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, really I'm going gonna, gonna to get oh, into my brutal. list. But uh, we, 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 right now we're two for two. Wow. Uh, by the way, double, double Dano, I call it. But Paul Dano is quietly one of my favorite actors. He's amazing. Yeah. Really? Oh, he's yeah. so good. I thought he was amazing in that Brian Wilson thing. If you haven't seen him playing Brian Wilson. Oh, I did. I liked that. I, like, I liked him in the, uh, that TV thing uh, that Ben Stiller did, Escape from Dan Mora, Dan Mora, about those two guys. I've heard that's great. <laughs> it's really it, good. It's awesome. And he's great and in it. There, it's a really good one. Yeah, it's like, but it's weird. You don't hear about him that much. Well, he's kind of, he's sort of, he's very plain looking. He looks like yeah. he had de- depression era. Okay. He looks like he would walk into Cheers fire off three jokes and yeah. <laughs> yeah he's one of the lost children uh, of round face uh number three is the grand budapest hotel nice. a movie i don't think you like right yeah well, well i'll get uh, yeah i did not sadly i have to watch it again because I, I i was not tall and i rarely go to the movies we went to see that she instantly fell asleep halfway through i was like <laughs> let's go because i just was not enjoying oh, it oh maybe try it again. i I love it. Don't know why I like it. I can't articulate it, but I, I, no, I just I, uh, a fascinating little world. And yeah, I've I heard agree. a lot of people. You like know, it's, it's like looking into a dollhouse with his movies. Yes. A lot of them. Yes, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Or like a really well-made diorama. Nice. Yeah. So you go to a totally. natural history museum and they sort of have a, <laughs> like a bunch of sort of Native Americans and buffalo and there's real dirt in there and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> this is all in a shoebox. Wow. Uh, whoa. <laughs> Incidentally, that, that's what I call my bathroom, the diorama. It's uh, <laughs> been rough back then. Wap bamboo. Uh, number two, you know, this is one of my favorite movies and particularly one where I like to put on a green sweater. Uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Yes, much better (laughs) than just Life Aquatic with no one. And yeah, and number one, I'll be I'll be shocked if this isn't everyone's number one. Boogie Nights. Wait, what? What do you call it? Booger Evenings. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to get that in there. Uh, All right. JC, uh, you want to go last? You want to go next? I want to go next because this is, sure. I've just like, yeah. It's stressing you out. It is really stressful. Um, okay, well, my number five is Boogie Nights. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, five. I know. I know. Booger evenings. I know. I really struggled. I was just like, I don't know. I'm just going to put these down yeah. and, and just take Good. the heat for it. Number four is Phantom Thread. I love um, that. I I have not seen that yet. Yeah, that, that's oh, the other thing is that. I didn't see a lot of these movies. Like I didn't see The Master, so and I feel like that might have been on my list too. But can um, I just say I don't like Daniel Day Lewis. I I'm out on the whole take. thing of like yeah. he becomes this thing. Like when he was on Lincoln first when they said oh he's Lincoln and it's like he became Lincoln. <laughs> like every sixth grader puts on a paper beard and is like oh, score and seven years. It's like the easiest thing to do. And the fact that they were like, you know, and he had to walk around the studio and they called him so Abraham. Method. And it's like, well, did he have his wallet in his pocket? Then he's fucking Daniel Day-Lewis. Or did he like leave his wallet at home and have no ID? 
as right. funny as those points are, I couldn't disagree with you more. I think <laughs> I think by a, a certain metric, and I'll just say it, I think he's the greatest actor of all time. Yeah. I think I think that if you go under the assumption that acting gets better as we move forward in time, which I think it does, yeah. I think that he's the best actor of all time. Yeah, I think I, he's I, a flim flam artist. Oh, nice. I agree. I'm going to have to agree with that, like, on the, on the DDL. Uh, okay. Uh, number three, Grand Budapest. Whoa. They're yeah. lockstep there with the threes. Yeah. <laughs> number two. Yeah. Magnolia. Oh, great was, one. Tough, yes. Tough to leave off. I know. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I love that. I always go back to it. And number one, I started with number one, and then after going through all of it, I almost changed this, but I just said... I'm just going to stick with it. It's Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. That's so so good. Goldie, you have to rewatch it. It's so fucking good. (laughs) It's a great list. Both of you had a great list. Here's mine. I'll power through it. Number five, the boy, the dog fight for number five was intense. Intense. And you know why? I thought I had it all sewn up. And then uh, the other week I watched... The French Dispatch, which is excellent. I haven't seen it. It's on HBO Max right now. It was, I, it was so enjoyable that I really wanted to put it at number five, but I thought that might be recency bias. So at number five, I ended up going with the Darjeeling Limited. Oh, I do. Love I that love, movie. love it that movie. <laughs> nope, fantastic. It's it's underappreciated, underrated. It's unappreciated you, in this house. Unappreciated by you. <laughs> I think it's a great story, incredibly well performed, unbelievable music, color palette is crazy. I, it I is loved beautiful. it. Yes. Loved it. Number uh, four. It might be just the, the noses in that movie. Then. Uh, yeah. Well, believe me, there's something to that. Yeah. It's a three noser. Yeah. A, they call it the, the three like, noser. That might be why, why you like it. As you go. Yeah. See, my nose yeah. is fine. I, yeah. I understood the subtext when you made the first remark. Okay. Okay. Is is Zisu bald? I forget. All right. (laughs) Number four for me, the master. Loved the master. Best great two-hander. An interesting thing when you watch The Master is the title is very appropriate because Philip Seymour Hoffman treats Joaquin Phoenix literally like a dog many times in the movie if you watch it. Uh, There's one moment where they're actually rolling around on the lawn, like playing with each other. And I thought it was a a really cool dynamic. I love the photography scene in that movie. Oh, that was so great. (laughs) I have to watch it. Uh, Yeah. And then chasing him through the department store. And and just the way he would make, make alcohol out of any liquid that existed was really very cool. I'm now remembering parts of the movie. Like he fucked that thing in the sand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right at the beginning. What is happening? And he just fucked yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a sailor in World War II and they're like on some beach in the Pacific and he makes like a, a sand woman just so he can have sex with it. Oh, my God. It was very, very cool to watch. All right. Number cool. three. And I was, su- I was surprised this wasn't on either of your lists number three for me is the royal tannenbaums it was it started out as five and then i bumped it boy did i love that movie and what i just it was a great theater experience which i don't know that you can say about you know many movies i I loved it number two for me rushmore Ah, rushmore there it is loved it goldie please rewatch it and number one for me, Goldie, sorry, Booger Evenings is not anywhere to be found Whoa, on my list. Wow. Number one 
is There Will Be Blood. Uh, for you, that yeah. makes the sense. The number one. It's my favorite movie of this century. Wow. Let me put it this way. It's, I think it is the single greatest acting performance ever captured on film. And there's I, m- multiple amazing performances in that. I mean, there's... I think just DDL ta- oh. it takes over. And takes Dano. over. And But honestly, I think... See, because you guys are high on Dano. He's so good. And he gets absolutely dominated by Daniel Day-Lewis in that movie, but it is part of his character (laughs) to do so. So it works. But I think that might have been a clever casting choice to get some sort of meek guy who could get steamrolled. Originally, that was two actors, Paul Dano's part. Yes. It was two different actors. And I guess whoever was cast as the other person, like, had a freak out or wasn't working out and left and they were shooting in some remote area and they were they were like, we can't get another actor to agree to come in <laughs> here for this length of time to do this. So, <laughs> Paul, why don't you just play both of them? And he did. <laughs> and it worked. It's wow. added to the movie somehow that it's just so weird. Yeah. Oh, yes. that's interesting. That's a good And it, it, it also adds to the awesome sort of like you know, the 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 dramatic finale that when Daniel Day-Lewis tells him that, like, his brother was the smart one and, and yeah. he, he gets money still from me and you get nothing. Anyway, yeah. those were fun lists to think about. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Good job, Andersons. Yes. You're making quality. <laughs> and by the way, we didn't talk about licorice pizza today. I thought about that, We too. keep teasing it in the show because we're going to do this whole Oscar thing. We'll do it next week. <laughs> Yeah. We'll I did it watch week. it too. I watched it. And by the way, you'll notice it wasn't on any Murphy. of our lists. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. for whatever that's worth. Right. We'll talk about Lick Pete's Lick next Pete's. week. And Goldie, oh. uh, the choice is yours for next week's yeah, okay. yeah. I have a simpler one if you don't like this one, but I think you'll like this one. Okay. Uh, top five things as an adult you still don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. That's... I love that. I love that. No, that's we could make that top twenty. Yeah. <laughs> but that's great. That's a great uh, list. Can you give me an example? Oh, Embezzling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there oh, you go. Okay. You don't really know what it is. Okay, yeah. okay. I've okay. said, oh, they're embezzling. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to embezzle. You could leave me in a room and give me ten years and say embezzle. <laughs> And I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> You've been doing nothing in here. Nothing has been embezzled. No, I swear I'm about to embezzle. It's, I've just been doing all the prep work for embezzling. Hilarious. All right, that's a great topic. Right. Um, so we didn't talk about licorice pizza. Okay, who cares? We'll talk about that maybe next week. Yeah. Hey, let's end this show as we do each week on a high note. Oh my God. Thank you. I think Tom it went Gamble. longer than normal. <laughs> I know. It does seem to stretch. Even my memory of it is getting shorter, but that's very funny. Tom Gamble, thank you. My high note this week, I'll just do mine. It's very quick, and Goldie will call me a nerd and he'll be right. The uh, trailer uh, for Obi Wan Kenobi came out this week, the Disney Plus show with Ewan McGregor oh, nice. reprising his role as Obi Wan Kenobi. And it just. It came out, the, the trailer came out, it's sort of, I mean, again, this thing in the Ukraine is a fucking nightmare and it may yeah. get worse, who knows. But it, in the midst of all this sort of terribleness that was going on in the world, th- there was this two minutes where I was able to watch the Lucasfilm logo and get that shiver up my spine and hear the little refrain of some piece of Star Wars music that, again, releases the drugs into yeah, my brain. <laughs> and just... Oh, my God, what a trailer it was. I'm so excited for it. It comes out in May. It couldn't come soon enough. So thank you, Disney Plus, my employer, for making 
the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. That was my high note this week. <laughs> nice. I, well, mine is also pretty short and television related, which is um, we started watching The Gilded Age. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is also on, on HBO Max, which you said something else was earlier. But um, right. if you liked Downton Abbey and you like New York City and history and this is so far, it's so good. I, I basically started watching it because Gary Giannetti made a post and has been making posts about it. And I'm yeah. like, I got to watch this. And we yeah, love it. You know, we it's, it. we're, we're watching it too. And oh, nice. uh, we're, we're really enjoying it. Um, yes. we're, we're all caught up. But oh, it cool. does strike me as like, because I loved Downton Abbey. Same. So that was kind of the, re- and it's, create, it's by the same creator, Julian Fellows. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to watch it. And it does have the effect of like, it's like walking into a room where they've just turned off your favorite song. So like you, <laughs> yeah. you can still almost hear it in the air, but you wow. know it's not playing anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. it, so, but the Gilded Age, it's not. I don't think it's going to reach the tawny peaks of Downton Abbey, but it is. It'll do. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I, I can see that already. Yeah. Also, yeah. just like Americans versus like British. Yeah. Not as interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. We stink. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Goldie. What do you got? Um, I, well, I had a great trip with my kids to Legoland, so I, awesome. I just want to wholeheartedly endorse what they're doing down there. And uh, nice. whether the pandemic is over or not, I'm it's over for me. I've just decided. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Woo-hoo! No Goldie. So that's my high note is it's, it's over. Nice. Nice. He's called uh, you it. You called it. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's apparently coming back from Europe again, but Goldie has yeah. called it here no, in America. It's over. It can't, it can't come it's back. It's over. Okay. Done, and he that's has my declared. Bye, like COVID. Bye. Bye, COVID. Yeah. That's, a, that's the ultimate high note. Yeah, All that's right. great. This is another one in the books. In the, in the thank you, too, for being awesome and hilarious, as thank always. You. And thank all of you for listening. Send us an email to a typical disgusting display at gmail.com or that phone number one last time. It is 3103. No, I almost <laughs> gave up my real number. <laughs> it is Again, that's 310-896-8274. Drop us a line, leave us a message, and we will talk to you again next week. Fun, fun, fun.